street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. Please follow me on Twitter at MagnaBosco or on Facebook and YouTube at MagnaBosco210. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. The music director of a local Lutheran church also teaches a class in between services and invited me to speak about street epistemology after he and I met several months ago. I readily agreed to give a short introduction on the topic, play a video example, and then spend the rest of the time answering their questions. They were kind enough to allow me to record the audio, so I brought a headset, which means my audio is great, but you can barely hear the people in the congregation ask their questions. Rather than dub in their questions, I'll boost the audio levels when their questions are asked, but you may still struggle a bit to make things out. Now, I do repeat their questions most of the time after they are asked, but I wanted to point this out to you beforehand. Despite a few technical difficulties, I thought the introduction to street epistemology to the members of this Christian church went great, and I felt very welcomed by their congregation. I also live-streamed before and after my presentation, so if you'd like to take a peek into what was going through my mind at the time, search for Magna Bosco on Periscope, and you should be able to find those. I'll include a link to Periscope in the show notes. I'm hopeful that this discussion might be helpful if you are ever given a chance to discuss SE to a religious audience. Good morning. Sure, sure. This is Anthony Magnabosco. That's the Italian pronunciation. That's good. I go by Magnabosco, but, but yeah, the Americanized version of it. He's gonna. He's got his iPad. He's gonna do the best to show me the video. I sent a link to the whole Michael, who's on my email list. I sent a link to the video. Did some of you get that? You can watch it on YouTube. I'll send it again. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I sent it. You know, to kind of prepare. So, Anthony, take it away. You've got until. I was wondering. Okay. Until it says 11 up there. Okay. Hopefully we'll have some discussion. That's like 39 minutes. That's good. That's good. Don't we get to ask questions either? Uh, we're going to save time at the end. Yes. In fact, yeah, because I find that the Q... <laughs> thank you for the introduction, by the way. And thank you for the warm welcome. I feel very welcome here. Uh, as somebody that doesn't necessarily share your views, I still feel very welcome here. So thank you very much. And I felt welcome the first time I was here, too. So as TJ was alluding to... I have kind of a, a unique little hobby. I call it a hobby, but I go out and I initiate conversations with people to see what they believe, why, and how they're so sure. And 
living in Texas, a lot of people, the belief that they choose to pick for the discussion, and I have a little timer, I usually set it for five or ten minutes, uh, they usually pick their God belief. So a lot of my videos are, about, are with people who think that a God exists. But I'll talk about anything. I'll talk about their stance on a political issue, where they stand on karma, if they think karma is real, or if they've ever seen a ghost, if they believe in aliens, whatever. I like it when people, is everyone able to hear me? I can talk louder if you want. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, this mic is actually just to record my voice. I've got a recorder over there. It's not, it's not meant to broad. Yeah, I, I can definitely talk louder. I, I, I didn't want to just blast, blast you out. So, what, and I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for like four years now, five years. And I've been recording the conversations. Not everyone likes to be recorded, so sometimes I just do the audio only. Uh, but the conversations are really interesting in helping examine how a person can be so sure that their belief is really true. So this approach that I'm using is something called street epistemology. It was born out of the Socratic method. It was popular, popularized in the atheist community. But there's no reason why anyone here cannot use this method, which is why I have no hesitation about showing you. I, I want people to be aware of this method in case you ever encounter somebody who's using it. But perhaps more importantly, I want to impart this tool set to you so that maybe one day you end up using this method on your own beliefs. And it doesn't have to be about God. You can, you can use street epistemology to, to challenge why you think red cars get more speeding tickets than any other color car. All right, like is that really a true statement? So when I'm embarking on street epistemology, I go out with a camera and I initiate talks with strangers. You do not have to do that. And many people would never feel comfortable doing that. Like I'm, I'm like 1% of 1% of a group of people that would actually do that. Most of these talks just happen organically. You're on an airplane, somebody sits next to you, they open up the Quran, and then you might say, you know, can we have a little chat about why you think that that's true? Or they might ask if, if they can pray with me, and then that just opens up the door for a great conversation. You can use this for any type of belief. It doesn't have to be initiated with a person with a camera. It could just start organically. Those, those in fact, I think are the best conversations where it just happens. I'm at the grocery store, I might be wearing a shirt that indicates that I don't believe, and then that somebody comes up and talks to me and then we chat. The other thing that's really good about this approach is that it tends to reduce what's called the backfire effect. Has anyone heard of that term before? Of just a, Okay, just one or two people. So there was a study that was done, there had been a couple of them, that they were, they were trying to figure out, well, how do we change a person's mind? If we show somebody a study that contradicts their stance on gun control or abortion or something, if we provide a person with evidence to show that someone is mistaken about a deeply held belief, usually people will become defensive and they ignore the evidence and they believe what they believe even more. That's sort of the backfire effect. So it's worse. It's worse than just somebody just ignoring what you have to say to them. They usually hunker down and believe what they believe even more. And this works for people on the right, people on the left. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm susceptible to it as well. If you were to show me evidence that you're right and I'm wrong, I would probably, in my brain, I would probably be less open to that. But with street epistemology, what we do is we ask questions. We try to embark on a dialogue. No, 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 that street epistemology 
Epistemology is the study of knowledge. It's the study of how people come to know the things that they claim to know. And there are various ways of coming to knowledge. We might read a report or we might be told something. We might take something on faith and that's how we know that that's true. Uh, we may have studied something for 30 years and then we, we have some knowledge that way. So, so the street part of it is like going out and just embarking in conversations on the street, but you don't have to. And then the epistemology is, let's get to the root of it. Rather than examining what you believe and why, let's get to the how. Let's talk about the method you're using to be so sure that the belief is true. And I want to show you an example here. Now, I have hundreds of videos where I've been going out and going to universities. And lately, I've been going to this hiking trail because I wanted to talk to not younger, younger adults, but like older people. So I went to this hiking trail. I've been going to this hiking trail for a while. They're all very interesting. Yeah, most of them are. A couple of them, I went out uh, to meet this guy. His name is Reed. He's with Cordial Curiosity. This guy does it a little bit differently. He sets up a table with a sign that says, what do you believe and why? I think he even asks, hey, let's talk about whatever belief you think is true. And she picks her belief in the Christian God. Okay, we're not out to just like talk to Christians only. We'll talk to anybody. But this is the topic that she picks. What's your first name? Tia. Tia. How do you spell that? T-I-A. T-I-A. Simple. Uh, all right, Tia, so... I'll place a link to this example in the show notes. Have a great day. Thanks. I wish I had more reasoning, but I don't. No worries. I had an itch in my face that whole time. Sorry, I have to, I have to scratch that. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm always a little reluctant to show an example of street epistemology when it's a belief that many of the people also hold because a lot of people can get defensive and miss the method. So I have another example, I'm not going to show it today, but it's on my YouTube channel, where a similar conversation, it was very friendly. I, I asked a lot of questions to understand what she believes. It was about karma. And again, you get a lot, of, a lot of introspection, a lot of thinking. And that's what's so nice about this approach is that if you've ever seen a conversation between somebody that doesn't believe in a God and somebody who does, I don't know if you've ever, show of hands, who's participated, either online or face-to-face, Usually, okay, some hands. Usually they, they're very contentious and people usually walk away with some hurt feelings. I've damaged relationships with my family members, some of my family members, because I was aggressive with them. I wasn't using, I wasn't using a more you know, friendly approach to challenge their belief. I was presenting them with facts and, and evidence and, and ridiculing even. Um, that only raises that backfire effect that I talked about. And what I liked about this approach uh, is that Perhaps for the first time, Tia, Tia was asked some challenging questions about why she believes that this thing is true. But it was done in a way where she was engaged with it. She was answering it seemed honestly. And it ended on fairly good terms. Like I, they probably ended up shaking hands and he gave her a card and, and that type of thing. So that's, why I like, that's what I like about this approach of street epistemology is that by using questions, you're evoking the answers from the person that you're speaking to. Okay, and they're hopefully being honest with you and giving you the real reasons why. Uh, the, the interesting point in there, like she mentioned at one point, that one of the reasons why she thought that the book, uh, the Bible is a source of truth, is because uh, they found the Babel Tower. Now maybe, maybe that was found, I don't know. But Reed asked her if it could be shown to your satisfaction that the, the Babel Tower wasn't found. Would that have any impact on your confidence that this belief was true? And she said no. 
So this is about peeling back the layers to get down to the real reason why somebody believes. And in her case, it seemed like faith was a big part of it, and she recognized that she didn't have very good reasons for it, but she was going to continue to believe. The thing that I like most about SE, about street epistemology, is that when a person discovers that they may not have good reasons for a belief, they may be inspired to go out and find better reasons for it. And many of you here may have good reasons for your belief. What you're believing in may very well be true. But this exercise is not meant to humiliate Tia. This is meant to help her uh, so that she can go out and find better reasons for it. Or if she finds that she doesn't have good reasons for a belief, whether it's about God or karma or anything else, that she might lower her confidence in that belief. So street epistemology is all about trying to arrive at a truth. Like, what is true? I want to believe as many true things as possible and get rid of all the beliefs that I have that are not true. And I think that this is a really good approach. So I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to, to show you that video and share it to you. And we've got, I'm thinking 18 minutes maybe for Q&A, which is great. That's a great amount of time. Yes, ma'am. Has anyone ever used that on you? Yes. People have used street epistemology on myself. Mm. So I'm going to repeat the question. Uh, when I use street epistemology, am I more interested in helping a person or trapping them? And it's, it's honestly about helping a person. So um, this is not about trapping somebody. It's helping to expose a, a, a possibly shaky foundation. Yeah, yeah, expose, uncover. Yeah, I'm not trying to trap anybody. But if... A, if well, if, if you were holding a belief, let me just ask you, if you were holding a belief that wasn't true, would you want somebody to help you find that? I would probably want to find it on my own rather than have you help me. Hmm. Are, you a, are you a true atheist then? Or? I am an atheist, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that that wasn't made clear at the start. Well, yeah. I remember you from before. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, I've used street epistemology with atheists who are 100% sure there's no God. You notice at the start, Reed was asking where the person was on their, on their confidence, 0 to 100. Well, I, asked an, I met an atheist. Uh, she was visiting from New York or something. And she was 100% sure there's no God. And she knew it. So I, I used this approach. And it's, this video is on my channel. Uh, she lowered her confidence to like the 99. She realized that she couldn't say that she knew there was no God. Um, so that's kind of what I like about this method is that it tends to move people off of their certainty. Like to be certain, to be able to say that you know something is true is very difficult to be able to say. And, and uh, yeah, so this is like an equal opportunity tool. Yes, ma'am. My confidence level? My confidence level on that same scale from 0 to 100 is currently around a 2. Yes. What was it before? Hmm. I think, what was it, what was it before? Maybe five. I think it's been going down the more conversations I have with people. Why is, that? Why is that? I think it's maybe because I'm running into people who believe in all different kinds of gods. They believe in Allah, Jesus, Vishnu. They are pagans or whatever. They're spiritual. And they all seem to use the same method to being 100% sure. So the more people I run into that seem to be using the same method to be sure that their God is real is lowering me on that. Did you expect that to happen? Did I expect that to happen? Your confidence level. Hmm. Have you 
I don't think I've ever, th ever thought that it would have any impact on it, but it, I think it has. Yes, I will. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Right. So when we embark on these conversations, and again, anyone here, I encourage you to learn it and use it. But when we embark on these conversations, the definitions of words are extremely important, and faith is a big one. So when somebody says, uh, and in fact, I think Reed asked her, so when she says, I, I'm using faith, we immediately, generally, I'm not speaking for the entire street epistemology community here, but typically we ask the person to please define that word. And then, yeah, very often they pull out a Hebrews 11.1 1, and uh, they give a definition for it. So we'll roll with whatever definition the person has. I'll entertain the idea that the definition that you're using is your definition. So let's just go, let's go and have some, you know, have a chat to see if that definition of faith as you're using it is a reliable way to conclude that something is true. So we don't need to share, yeah, you don't need to share this belief uh, with a person. In fact, what I found is that the more ignorant you are of the person's belief, the better questions you tend to ask. Like if I, if I really knew the Bible really well, I might be more tempted to get wrapped up in the verses and the counter apologetics and somebody makes a claim about, you know, the Bible says this and I might come back and we'll say, well, no, the Bible says this. When you're using street epistemology, it's not about arguing doctrine. It's about getting to how you determine that that doctrine is really true. I hope I answered your, your question. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Yes. Great. 
Yeah, so we run into some very confident believers and some very inexperienced believers. I would say T is probably more on the inexperienced side. Even though she said she was going to Bible study. Par- pardon me? Immature in the Lord. Yeah, possibly. Um, she needed to refer her to, to her book, and Reed gave her time. Like, this isn't about confusing a person or trapping them, honestly. Like, he was willing to give her time to look it up in the book if that was going to help her explain how she could be so sure. So, um, some critics of this method would say, well, you're just picking on people who aren't prepared. But, you know, we don't, number one, we don't really know who we're going to be running into. We can run into somebody who's very accomplished and very studied. Or we can run into somebody who's just new to the belief. Or they might pick some belief that is not even related to a God. So this is largely about you know, helping a person realize that maybe they haven't thought it through as much as they need to. Maybe they don't have as much evidence as they think that they do. Maybe they shouldn't be so confident in the belief as they think that they are. And uh, very likely, I would imagine, Tia probably talked to her Bible study teacher or talked to her parents to figure out, like, you know, what would have been a better way to answer these questions? And I think that's a good thing. Like, I think being able to, just because Tia wasn't able to adequately explain why, her, why she thinks her belief is true, does not mean that her God is not real. Her God, hmm? All right. Yes, yeah, we, we actually call street epistemology a method, yeah. Thank you. Did you have a question? Thank you. Well, first of all, I'd like to commend you for what you do. And I think we should all have appreciation for what you do, even though we may disagree with you. Every single day we're hearing these horror stories from college campuses about these, what are sometimes derisive, snowflakes. Mm-hmm. We're seeing protests from colleges out where conservative speakers are. Yeah. Yeah.
You don't want to put your income down on faith. You want to go check that company too, or else you're going to wind up getting audited. But I think there are other belief systems and decisions we make based on cognitive beliefs that are not necessarily rooted in logic or reasoning. I think two examples that come to mind would be your decision on who you marry, who you spend your life with. Now, yes, there are relation, romantic relationship studies that show that men tend to be attracted to younger women, women tend to be attracted to older men, and there's income factors and looks factors. But I think if you were to ask most people why they married their wife or why they married their husband, I don't know if they could follow a logical, rational process, because a lot of it isn't rational. <laughs> or, you know, one thing about me is, I mean, I'm the music director here. Obviously, I have some ability in music. I could say genetically, maybe that's passed down. I actually know my biological mother. She's a musician. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting about me is throughout my life, there have been certain types of music I've just been drawn to. And I, I don't know if I, I, I could come up with rational reasons why I like this composer or that composer, but I'm not sure if that's really the reason. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know, the only problem I have with this is that there are many belief systems where I don't know if reasoning is what's fueling them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've had, when I first started doing this, I would go to university campuses and talk to college-age students. And a lot of them did seem somewhat unprepared. Some of them were very prepared. And what I'm hoping that one of the takeaways from watching this exchange and hearing about this method is that this is catching on. And, and it's very likely if you do have university students or you yourself very well could encounter somebody who asks these questions. The next dinner party you go to might be somebody who is kind of enamored with SE and might be asking you questions. I, I do love, love the idea of challenging beliefs. And it's interesting, uh, I was at UTSA and there was an on-campus Christian minister who was discouraging members of his flock from talking to me because he didn't want their beliefs. Th that, those videos are on my channel. His name's Kyle. And that's a little discouraging to see when, when, uh, when he's warning people to avoid speaking to me. But he's not warning people from the Muslim Student Association or the Hindu club from talking to me. So, so again, this, this dialogue is, is to try to get to truth and, and, to, and to just have the conversation uh, to you know, try to figure out if what we're believing in is true. Yes, sir. We've got five minutes just now. Assuming as an atheist or an agnostic, you, you believe that there's only this life on earth and, and when you die, it's, it's over, there's no hereafter, no, yeah. no um, it, it just seems to me that you, if I were an agnostic I'm not, or an atheist, I might want to hedge my bets and think, mm. you know, if, if, if on the off chance there is, <laughs> it's not going to hurt anything. Right, right. If I uh, go along with it, not go along, you'd have to believe in it, I think. I don't think yeah. That's my thing. I don't think I could, if the God was real, if your God was real, I don't think I can come here, sit, and pretend and fool the God, like the God would know. And I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think that would be true to myself. Plus, I think if I, if I committed myself to a belief and told myself, I'm just going to pretend to believe, then it's preventing me from finding out what really might be true. Like maybe those Muslims down the street really have it. I don't think that they do. Or maybe the Hindu down the street really has it. So, it, you know, I think it's maybe... This is, this is all sort of like a bet. You know, should I bet on Christianity? I mean, I think the safer bet is to say, you know, I'm, I'm just really not convinced, but I'm open to being convinced. Would you be offended if I asked you if I should pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you? No. Okay. But oh, do you want to, can we do it later? <laughs> okay, yeah, please go ahead and do it. 
Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment of that. There was a point when I was like an angry atheist. Like, the street epistemology has helped me become more compassionate and more understanding of people who, who do believe. So there was a time where an offer like that would be like, no, you know, pray for me, I'm going to think for you. You know, just be like that angry atheist sort of response. But no, I, I appreciate the sentiment of what, she, what, she's, what she's doing. So uh, we have three more minutes, maybe time for one more question. But I just want to just wrap up here. Um, if you've ever wondered like what an atheist thinks or, or worries about or whatever, like I, I, I'm more than happy to talk to you. I, I have cards here and I can answer your question afterwards or you can email me. And I promise I won't question your beliefs unless you really want me to. But if you're just curious, like what's all this atheism stuff about? Like how do they get their morality and all this other stuff? I'd be more than happy to answer those questions for you. Yes, sir. Oh, that's a great question. How do you keep your biases out of your, out of your questioning? It's very tough. I can't 100% get my biases out of the way. When I talk to somebody and they say they believe in Jesus and they think uh, Jesus is real because of faith, it's very hard for me to, to not be biased on that and neutral because I've had a thousand conversations with people who say that exact same thing. But I have to remind myself, I try to remind myself that this may be the one person that has it figured out. That sometimes people ask, well, where do I stand on it before they want to have the conversation? And then I'll, I'll tell them, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a two on that scale. Uh, and then we still have the talk. But that's very tough. It's very tough to set aside your biases, but I try as much as I can. Okay, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. That worked, out, that worked out pretty good. I hope the iPad worked out. Thank you for the great question, too, by the way. Oh, oh there you are again. <laughs> oh, thank you, for, uh, thank you for sitting in on it. Yes. Oh, here we <laughs> Thank you very much, Milton. All right. Okay. Thank you. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos. 